let's compare like Badwater Ultra Marathon, 135 miles through Death Valley. Uh, you know, the, the temperatures can hit 120, 130 degrees, fairly low humidity. But it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, <laughs> to another episode of <laughs> Coaches on Couches. Bing slouches. There we go. I think not having the drum roll. I think that's what did it. Me off. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, today uh, we're going to talk about. Um, it kind of seems to be swirling because uh, in our area it's still blazing hot, um, and we've got a yeah. couple of really important races this this weekend that are also looking to be. Don't panic. Looking to be pretty hot like i've got the weather pulled up right now and mind you it's september 26th it's fall fall yeah, yeah. 94 93 94 95 96 95 without like, heat index without heat index no yeah. that's just straight temp yeah so we're going to talk about uh, how to deal with the extreme heat today so that it uh it doesn't totally demolish your your training and racing mm -hmm. um so we obviously deal with this uh, a lot uh, so we may know a thing or two mm -hmm. about uh, dealing with the extreme heat oh for sure um but we'll get into that in just a second i am coach dale sanford i am coach bryant funston we are the co-founders of bpc performance coaching where we specialize in helping time crunched athletes optimize their busy schedules so they can maximize their athletic performance Every BPC coach is trained in our Five Pillars coaching system that has been developed over the last decade through our work with athletes of all ages and ability levels from fresh off the couch to world championship competitors. You can find out more about BPC by going to buildpeakcompete.com, checking Facebook and YouTube at buildpeakcompete, or all up on that Instagram at bpcperformance. Splendid. All right, we will get to the topic of today, but first, a very short edition of <laughs> shout outs. Shout outs. Probably the shortest we've had. Yeah. It's, the season's kind of getting winding, winding down. down. Yep, so, for sure. um, last week, uh, Jessica Wang went to Renaissance City Try, finished second in her age group. So, congrats there. You got any? None for me. We got oh. some folks racing this weekend, cyclocross. So, uh, yeah probably end up having a few shout outs uh next week but yeah no pretty... we got a good luck we got some good lucks here for all of those heading to ironman chattanooga and uh -huh. 70.3 augusta yep. we've got several athletes going to those races and a bunch of uh, our local buddies who are heading out to throw down um this is a big reason why we're doing this topic today because exactly. it's gonna look it looks pretty warm uh -huh. there um but before we get into it we do have uh, an, another uh another segment of what the huh what the huh yeah what the huh what the and for those that <laughs> that are listening to the podcast and not the facebook uh there's actually the sweet emoji of yeah there's like a, the, there's huh? yeah two hands up confused emoji i'm gonna have to make those uh i'm gonna have to make those memojis here mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that'll be, make it even funnier anyway what the huh so there's this there's this lady mm -hmm. we won't put her name in this you'll figure it out if you google it mm -hmm. uh she got caught cheating 
uh, at a half marathon in Washington. Not even state I would, or DC. Uh, state. Okay. And I wouldn't even say it was a big race, uh, and it's a half marathon. And she finished second overall female, and then some people posed a uh, complaint or a you know, and then so they started investigating, and there's photographers out on the course everywhere and blah blah and they quickly found out that somewhere along the course she had stashed her bike she jumped on her bike did the far part of the course on her bike stashed the bike in the woods and then ran across the finish line (laughs) (laughs) uh and if you saw the video she looked like she actually believed she won and then after she was obviously disqualified Uh uh-huh um, she kind of came out and said that this was not the first time she's done it. She's cheated in like sort of coming clean, four, like three or four other races. Uh, and then she, you know, she the way she put it, and this is not to poke fun at anybody with anxiety disorder, but she said that she did it because of her anxiety disorder. Like having, like having a bad race would like totally crush her. Uh, so that's how she justified the choices she made, mm-hmm. even though she she realized they were wrong. Mm-hmm. But she justified those choices. So it's just like she didn't want to have the thought of having a bad she result. She couldn't handle was too a, much. the thought of having a bad result. Gotcha. Like on paper. Hmm. Um, so that leads to my question: Like, what is in the in the spectrum of cheaters? What's worse, yeah. like the person who knowingly pre like premeditated cheating well i guess all of it's premeditated but pretty much uh i mean cheating like that or like doping like so what in your opinion what's what would be worse i'd say it's the same yeah i mean equal equal yeah dopers suck i mean cheaters dopers dopers are trying to hide it even more like i i just don't know how this day and age someone would think they could get away with with as much technology as many camera spots the mats the The fact that you can check the differences in paces as a person progresses through a court. Like, she probably went from, what, nine-minute miles to... Or was she fairly fast anyway? I, I didn't read that much into it, but suddenly she still she's, finished second overall in a in the race. Suddenly she's going 15 miles an hour? Yeah, there like, was definitely discrepancy there. Yeah. And and there was a mat, there was a mat in the far end of the course that she mm-hmm. knew she had to hit. Or mm-hmm. she could have just cut the course. Mm-hmm. But she stashed her bike so that yeah. she could hit the far end mat. Like, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. You guys weigh in. If yeah. you have an opinion on that, if you think one is worse than the other. Blood doping, I guess this would fall under mechanical doping. Yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah, pretty much mechanical doping. That's crazy, though. Anyways, so that's that. We'll get to the topic of the day now. So, on to the meats and potatoes. Stop. We can't, do, we can't use that. Oh, that's right. Yams yeah. and sweet potatoes. That's, a, that's a, I think that's a Matt Dixon thing. Ah, yeah. gotcha. Anyways, uh... So we're, we're hitting, um, you know, these extreme temps still in the fall. Um, so we're going to go through basically our kind of big three things mm-hmm. uh, for, for kind of like, uh, like before you train a race. And then we'll kind of get into some of the race-specific strategy tips yeah. and, and tricks yeah, this and is gonna stuff like that. Yeah, this is going to be focused a little more on race-specific stuff. The thing you have to consider, though, is heat and humidity. Humidity is like the the multiplier, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so when the heat index, you know, if you're looking at heat, let's compare like bad water 
ultra marathon, 135 miles through Death Valley, uh, you know, the, the temperatures can hit 120, 130 degrees, fairly low humidity. But it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then you compare that to something like Kona. Yeah. Kona, you know, it can be 90 degrees and high humidity. So feels like temps yeah. can be super high, yeah. you know, 110, 120 degrees. Yeah. Here in the Mid-South, that's what we look at. Like temperature is one thing, but actually looking at what is the feels like temp what is that heat index at yeah because it can be 15 degrees higher than what you're seeing from like an actual temperature and the thing the big thing to consider there is that the higher the humidity the less evaporation Mm -hmm. that is happening when you sweat i like your example of like what you liken it to training and racing in the heat here is like someone's wrapped you in a blanket and chasing you in the hairdryer yeah Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty much it. You feel like you're constantly wearing a wet blanket, Mm -hmm. and then even the the air that's hitting you when you're riding is hot. It doesn't cool you. It doesn't cool you at all. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens. There's no evaporation. That's what actually cools your body. The the evaporation uh, takes heat off of your skin, off Mm -hmm. of your out of your body, um, and cools you. If the if the sweat just sits on your body. It's, it doesn't steal that much heat. The, water, the sweat that comes yeah. out, the, the act of it dripping off of your body is what takes heat with it, right? So um, if you're an efficient sweater, you actually are, you know, you have an advantage there as far as cooling goes. Um, but high humidity, very little evaporation happening. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have, to, we have to figure up some other ways to stay, stay cool. Um, realistically, Again, I've said this before, your body has a really small range of internal core temperatures that it can handle. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when you start to get really hot, like, you might get a runny nose. You might get, you know, you get kind of like almost like cold and fever. You get cold and flu symptoms when you get really high internal core temperatures or, or it starts to creep up. Uh, so regulating temperature, massive. Uh, so the first thing, the number one thing that we can can recommend that works time and time again is starting your race or workout fully hydrated yep um we can't stress that enough because we've and that remind yeah we can't remind people enough as well yeah like the more times you hear it the more there's a chance that you're gonna you know remember it and it's gonna right but it's something you got to do every time and like we mentioned before it's like i used to think that starting hydrated meant chugging 32 ounces of water <laughs> and getting out out the door yeah. like pre preloading myself with fluid but really what you need to be doing is making sure you're preloading with the proper amount or a, a super uh, concentrated sodium drink yeah so if you're talking about you know the thing to get here is that um you one of i won't say the worst things you can do but an not less ideal thing you can do is just drink a ton of water mm-hmm. the days leading up to a really hot race. Uh, you need to make sure that those fluids have a decent amount of electrolytes in them. Because if you're not really, if you're, especially if you're kind of like uh, on a low volume going into a race, you're not going to be sweating as much. You're not going to be losing as yeah. much fluid. Yeah. And your food will take care of some of that, you know, to, to keep your sodium topped up. But if you're just pounding in fluids, water, you're diluting, diluting, diluting blood sodium. So mm-hmm. 
make sure your fluids do have electrolytes in them, especially the, the, the last few days before yep. uh, a big race. And, and our recommendation for the preload? Yeah, actual preload would be either you know, the night before and or the morning of. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be 16, 32 ounces, somewhere between there, sort of 500 mil to a liter of uh, high concentration, high sodium concentration fluid. And our recommendation and, and our, our buddies at Precision Hydration um, recommend something higher than a thousand or right at or higher than a thousand milligrams per liter concentration. We use, again, we use the Precision Hydration 1500 as our, our preload. Yep. Um, and that just makes sure that all, when all that sodium comes into the blood, it pulls more water into the blood. Mm -hmm. So you effectively have uh, more blood, more or less. Uh, blood volume, yeah. Yeah, so your blood plasma volumes come up. Yep. And then you have more blood to circulate through the body, more blood to cool you. Um, you know, it, there's a host of benefits to starting off really well hydrated. Mm -hmm. um, and in some instances, you know, people are worried about retaining water. Well, guess what? If you're going to okay. have a long, long yeah. day of sweating mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to be super hot, it's okay. Yeah, don't think of it as retaining water. Think of it as you're, you're creating a bigger buffer. Like, and that's a good thing. Like you're topping yeah. the well off. You're not going with the, you, we want the well kind of flowing over almost uh, versus you already starting with a well that's been depleted uh, of fluid. So start topped off, even if it means you're a pound heavier than what you've been weighing, you know, leading up to the race. That's going to be gone in no time. Yeah, especially if it's a long course race, you can end oh, up, for sure. by the time you hit the run, you could be five pounds lighter. Oh, you know, yeah. easily. Easily, yep. So, uh, you know, don't worry about a little bit of extra weight coming into a big day like that. Yep. If it's going to be hot, it's going to help you survive. Mm -hmm. um, so that's it. I mean, you've got to start hydrated. Don't, please don't, like, just pound water. Don't. Uh, get the, you know, get the electrolytes in and start it off. Started mm -hmm. off on the on the high end. Yep. Um, the second big one is acclimation. Yeah, this is something like last year. I I chatted a lot with the guys that were doing ride to Rosemary. So five day, you know, almost a century. It averages over a century per day uh, mm -hmm. for five days in the heat. It's been hot, you know, the last three years I've done it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I talked to uh, to a person about who was new, like this, they'd just gotten into riding like six months before and was doing this ride was you need to make sure you're spending time riding at the times when you're going to be out there anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, don't just ride at 6 a.m. because right. you're going to be out there at 2 p.m. Like, you need yep. to have some of your rides, and they don't have to be hard rides. You don't have to be out there you know, trying to put your priority workout at 2 p.m., but spend some time riding in the heat so you can acclimate to that heat. Your yep. body gets used to those temperatures. Yeah, like when we did when we did our tri camp a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, yep. we made sure that I mean we started the long run, which for some was close to three, you know was three hours. Yeah, um, at eleven o'clock, because you were going to have to run during that ho hottest part of the day, mm -hmm. which is going to be the case for most people in a long course race. That's probably one of the biggest mistakes I think that a lot of people make with their training. Oh yeah, is they they don't do it consistently at the times that they're going to be out there like we try to make it as good a conditions as we can because it's more fun that way you know we try to ride early in the morning so that it's cooler when we get home yeah but really you know you gotta you gotta match what the conditions are going to be and for those of you who like train indoors a ton 
you got to get out there. You got to get, um, you mm-hmm. got to get the time in the heat. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're gonna suffer. Yeah, I was hearing a story about. I, I think it was Froome a couple of years ago. Man, I think it was Froome. I could be wrong on this. Um, but getting ready for the Vuelta de España, which is always super hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Like they would go and do their training rides and then finish it off with just like an hour spin in the sauna. Yeah. Like or a hot shed or yeah. like they were and just easy. And sometimes they were just gonna go and like would just go and sit in a sauna where the body just is getting used to that extra heat, even yeah. even though it's not putting a lot of physical stress, muscular stress through the body. Yeah. It was capping a ride with that heat, um, yeah. and they noticed big benefits from it. Yeah, and that's why that's why you're seeing pros go to like Kona and Tokyo and all these places that are going to be super hot. They're there two weeks early. Mm-hmm. Because realistically, uh, full acclimation takes about two weeks. Mm. Now, if you get... If you're doing longer sessions, you can cut that down to about five and six days if you're doing, you know, five and six days of longer prolonged sessions in the heat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cut it down. And I think it's, I think usually at, at the six, seven day mark, it's you're about 90% or a little bit over 90% acclimated. I mean, heck, the, the newest Garmin's have heat acclimation on them. Mm-hmm. I don't really know how to use it, but apparently... <laughs> It's always, it doesn't do anything for us because it's always hot and humid here. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, you're acclimated. You're still acclimated. Yeah. <laughs> That's just normal. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait till the winter time to and it's not have like, different data. It's not like you go somewhere, anywhere you go from here is cooler. So mm-hmm. yeah, most of the time it is, huh? I mean, there's not a whole lot to acclimate to. Um, but so if you're going to a race that's going to be hot and humid, uh, you know, either get there early if you can, if it's feasible. Um, or, you know, we're talking necessarily to the people who are like maybe going from like a Minnesota, you're like, you know, you train in Minnesota and you're going to Kona, um, you know, try to get there early. Um, and then there's obviously ways like in, in the past, like when, um, uh, when we were training Bennett, you know, um, he's from Minnesota. And so we'd have him do indoor workouts Mm -hmm. wearing extra layers Maybe crank up a heater in there. And like just, he was a wrestler trying to cut weight for. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much. Yeah, but you still ha- you're still uh, trying to hydrate normally during exactly. the workout. You're just getting used to the. Yeah. You know, and the, there was uh, I read something about like how um, it might have been Alex Howes or somebody who they would go and like take the team tent and like drop it down mm. and just so they could just fit in it. Yeah. And it would just be like this big like nasty. Like, but that smelled good. Yeah, just this big heat tent. Yeah, you know, and they would ride for however long in that just yeah. to to acclimate. But just on the trainer. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you do the, you know, you can acclimate quickly if you're doing longer prolonged sessions in that uh, heat and humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not, if you're not coming from an area, like if you're training in an area that's not heat, humid, heat hot and humid, you've got to do something. Oh yeah, you can't you can't be out outside doing uh, rides in seventy degrees and show up and it's a hundred plus yeah heat index and expect to perform well. Same thing with during that acclimation process. You know, if you're taking seven days or you know fourteen days or whatever, don't expect those first workouts to be quality workouts. Oh, absolutely. There's not. an acclimation process that, as your body gets used to the heat, you should start seeing numbers come up closer to what you're used to. But those first few, 
don't don't expect that. Treat them as easier rides, um, but know that the body's still going to be stressed, and you'll see it on your heart rate. That heart rate to power, if you got both of those going, or heart rate to pace, yeah, or it's going to be a bigger gap than you're used to yeah. during that acclimation process. Yeah, I, I mean, since nationals, nationals was kind of my big thing for the year, so kind of took transition and then kind of getting back into consistency. And I went out yesterday and ran and I felt terrible because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was, it was like 88 when humid is all get out. So feels like was hundred or whatever. Yeah. And first three miles were fine. And then it just went South core, core temperature started oh, rising yeah. on you. I was you like, and, all right, yeah. this sucks. I'm going home. <laughs> I'm walking home. Yeah. Uber. <laughs> well, when you don't, when you don't have a goal race on the, on the horizon, it's a lot easier to. Oh, to for cut sure. that short. Oh yeah. But it was just like I'm acclimated to this stuff, but I hadn't been doing I haven't been outside quite as much. Yep. And so, you know, going out in the heat, it you know, it doesn't stick around if you don't it's mm-hmm. not like uh once you spend that 14 days in the heat, you're good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it goes back and forth. Oh, for sure. So, um one of the other big things you can do, which is like something you'll see a lot of the pro teams do and stuff like that is pre-cooling. So you've acclimated. So now you're used to higher temperatures. Yeah. Now your goal is to try to keep yourself as co- cool as you can. Yeah. Pr- uh, cool the core temperature down as much as you can prior to the event. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of strategies for this. Uh, you know, the cooling vests you've probably seen out cooling there. Cooling vests, yep. Um, you know, even just drinking cold fluids. There's a couple of good studies Huge. out there about uh, testing drinking like slushies yep. prior to and that really helps kind of keep core temperature down longer. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. keep it down forever, but uh, helped uh, prolong the increase in core temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, another, another one you can do is like using co- the cold packs. Like yep. use cold packs and get them on those big arteries yep. you, on your neck, carotid artery, and your femoral artery kind of in your crotchal region, mm-hmm. scientific term. And uh, hands as well. Yeah. Hands is also a good one. But, um, but using those, using the cold packs to kind of pre-cool yourself. And then like one of the big ones, like for triathletes is, you know, sometimes like uh, tip here is if you're in a wetsuit legal race, but it's still warm out, don't put that wetsuit on until like you absolutely have to yeah. know how long it takes you to put it on yeah. <laughs> first because you don't want to be rushed. But I mean, stay out of it as long as possible because those things don't breathe. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a, that's a sauna suit right there. Yep. So put it on late. And then if you can carry like f- the cold fluids to the start line, dump, I mean, dump cold fluids into the wetsuit and that'll trap the, trap the cold fluids in there for a, a while, you know, or ice or anything that yep. can keep you cool within that suit. Uh, just so you don't start. It's essentially the same principle that cyclists use with the eye sock. You yeah. Know, you're, you're putting ice on the body to help keep the body cooler longer as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just those small gains are huge. Yeah. Any pro- psychologically it helps yeah. as well. Any prolonging of mm-hmm. increasing core temperature is going to help you out tremendously. Yep. Um, so pre-cooling is another big, you know, don't pee in your wetsuit and then huh? expect it. Wait, you're not allowed to pee in your wetsuit. No, everybody pees. in their wetsuit. <laughs> I'm just saying don't, don't pee in your wetsuit ah. uh, if you can help it because that's going to be a lot Extra warmer. Heat. Extra heat. Uh, yeah, yep. it's coming from inside. That's 98.6. I, I saw this year at, uh, I think it was the, the, the Tour de France, they had 
the big fan setup, which I've seen before, like yeah. when people are warming up. But these, they had blowing like mist. Yeah. Like there was these massive mister Misting fans. fans yeah. yeah. Like they have on the sidelines in NFL games. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those so are great. Keeping, I mean, keeping them super cool. Yeah. Um, so pre-cooling. So race strategy tips mm -hmm. um, are, you know, there's oh so much you can do prior to. You know, those are the big things, you know, that will mm -hmm. that'll move the needle there. But during your race, you know, if it is like super hot and it ends up hot, you're just going to have to back it down. I mean, if it's... Cool hot, them jets, yeah. so to speak. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost like going to elevation mm -hmm. where your body just, you know, your body's working so hard to cool itself. It just, you can't physically push as hard. Because one, that added heat is going to increase um, core temperature, mm -hmm. and that could then lead to, you know, heat illnesses, heat whatever, or you know, anything heat stroke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your body starts to shut down things when it gets too hot. So if you push yourself, if you push too hard, you could end up basically, yeah, heat, heat stroke, heat exhaustion, yep. and, and stuff like that. Yep. So. You're Which performance-wise, in the long run, that's going to hurt you a whole lot more. Not oh, yeah. only put you at a health risk, but right. that's going to hurt your overall time if that's what you're really concerned about yeah. a lot more than backing down that that effort, yeah, right. riding within a heart rate level and using heart rate versus yeah. you know pace or speed or whatever um, or power. But use use heart rate and perceived effort as kind of a rev limiter more than. I've got to hit this pace or I got to hit this average speed or I got to hit this power number because your body's only capable of, of doing so much. And if it's using a ton of energy to keep you cool, that's less energy that it has to keep you moving forward. Um, and it number one priority is keeping you cool, not moving you forward. Yeah. So um, you can't fight the, the internal system there. Yeah. Look at it this way. You have two choices. You have you can back it down by 10, 15%, mm -hmm. or you can walk. Or you can go till you blow. Yeah, yeah. Or coast. Walk, coast, mm -hmm. you know, go down to, uh, you know, 10% of normal, or you can back it down early exactly. by 10%. And, you know, you may be a little slower than you wanted to, but... Mm -hmm. Long you know, run, you're going to be faster than you would absolutely. be having to, yeah, go to, to 50%. Going to a walk versus a run, even if your run's... 15% slower than what you were hoping to run. Yeah. It's a lot better than walking. Yeah, and it, like like you said before, if you if you train with heart rate and you know, and you have heart rate running, um, if you notice your heart rate is substantially higher than it normally is at that effort, your body's working hard. Mm -hmm. Your body's working hard to cool itself, so you're just going to have to back it down. Yep. Get yourself into a, a heart rate range that you know is sustainable. And know that everyone else should be doing that as well. So, yeah. like, your if you're someone who's just competing based on a time you were hoping to hit, well, time's going to be subject to the course, the conditions and the heat. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that, you know, if, if you battle a headwind for most of the, of the course, you're going to have a slower time than you wanted. Like you can't guarantee you're going to have perfect conditions to hit a goal time. Um, but you know, kind of big thing there. Now I'm losing my train of thought here. You just have, I mean, you just have to back it down. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's no, like, um, yeah. I oh, mean, I know what I was going to say. Uh, yeah. So like for those that are just competing on your own time, um, you're, you're just going to have to be okay with your time not being as fast. If you're someone who's going for like an age group overall, everyone else should be backing it down also. So it's not like 
you know, you're yeah. going to be putting yourself um, way behind by, by backing it down. In fact, you'll probably be moving yourself ahead. If you look at um, statistics, there's a few people out there that are just crazy about statistics and like, especially Ironman race statistics and stuff like that. Um, you can, you can look at times and like average times for different races mm -hmm. can easily swing 30 to 40 minutes mm -hmm. a year and then you look at it like oh yeah this year it was hot hot you know this year it was a more ideal Great temperatures you know yeah. or this year there was a stiff wind on the bike and you know and so a, a race that's already that long just means that a, a change in conditions can magnify like oh, how long time. it's going to take yeah i mean so you got to just accept the fact that it's going to be a little bit longer day than you wanted, mm -hmm. but it's happening to everyone. Mm -hmm. Just, you have to keep that in your head. Uh, another big thing, I mean, one, we've already said start hydrated, but stay hydrated. If I promise, if you forget to drink and forget to keep putting in electrolytes, you're going to be a hurting unit, uh, mm -hmm. at some point. So staying hydrated, I can't, I, I swear every time, uh, I write a, race strategy uh kind of email to an athlete it it says stay hydrated in there no less than five times mm -hmm. in different areas yep uh and and it's just to hammer it in um and since i've been doing that i haven't had too many athletes who um have had issues but maybe i don't know it was maybe six six seven years ago uh i had a guy who we had gone and he had played with nutrition and it was, we had it dialed in for, in his training, but he got out in the race and forgot to drink enough. Like mm -hmm. he just said, when we went over the race afterwards, he didn't have a good race. And he was like, oh yeah, Makes sense, I just huh? forgot to drink. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did you forget to drink? Something I always cue like cyclists on, like racers, is it's really easy to get distracted with the race and right. like everything going on. Yeah. And getting so caught up in that, the strategy, like, you know, watching moves that are going or whatever, and you forget to drink. Yeah. And it, and it seems like, oh, you know, I don't forget to drink. I do it on the rides all the time. But you can get into a race situation and be kind of consumed with that whole thing and everything that's going on and neglect to do the basics. Yeah. Neglect to manage your your uh, race properly. I've been there. Yeah. I've been, I've been there. there, too. <laughs> I've been there. Um. One of the other things that I always tell people to do is freeze bottles. Mm -hmm. If you know it's going to be hot, uh, you can freeze like half a bottle for early use. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because it's going to melt basically by the time you want it. Or a quarter bottle. Just make sure there's ice in it. Mm -hmm. or, or just take ice, whatever, ice in the bottle with your electrolytes. Keep electrolytes in your bottles. Lots. Keep it in. Um <laughs> So freeze in half bottles for early use, and then you can freeze full bottles for like later use. So like uh, in case of an Ironman, you're putting in like, uh, you know, bottles in T2, T1 and T2, and then you might have extra bottles. Like if you have very specific nutrition that you're using uh, in your special needs bags, um, you know, freeze them freeze so them. that when yeah. you get them, they're cold. Mm -hmm. They're still cold. And insulated bottles can be something that, yeah. that may help prolong the length of time that they stay cool or yeah. cold or frozen no, i don't recommend like trying to put a cooler in your special needs bag probably mm. uh unless somebody will figure that out one day yeah. and then that'll be the hot yeah you can like you i'm can, really uh, send us the royalties yeah on, that one. <laughs> on really hot days i i will start with a frozen bottle 
in my pocket as well. Like yeah. If I know it's a longer ride or race, the one on my back is, is frozen. I'm drinking out of the stuff that's on my bike. I drink out of the same bottle to start with, just kind of a strategy here. Mm-hmm. Because once you, if you're splitting it between the two, it takes longer to, for them to empty. But I always drink out of the same one. It empties. I swap it with the one that's on my back. Mm-hmm. That's helped keep me cold. By that point, it's you know it's no longer frozen. It's still cold. Yep. Swap it out and, and good to go. So um, one of the questions that we do, uh, I've gotten anyways, um, is um, like, do I dump the water on me? Do I, you know, what do I, like, do I, should I, or should I, I've heard both ways, dumping water helps or doesn't help. Um, I mean, I've gone, I've looked at the research and the little bit of research out there that's on it is fairly inconclusive. So um, realistically, if it's humid out, dumping water on your body is not going to take heat away because that water is not going to evaporate the water running off of you will take some heat away, but uh, it's not. It hasn't been shown to like be enough benefit to cool to your skin. Doesn't help cool your skin temperature enough. Yeah. I'm not seeing research on it. Yeah, uh, but low humidity, it helps because that water on your body is going to evaporate quicker and and cool you. So, you know, especially if you're if you're coming from like a, you're not acclimating, your sweat rate hasn't picked up quite as much yet. Uh, dumping that that fluid on uh, helps, yeah. you know, some people, especially like you'll see like in bad water, people wear these, the sleeves yeah. and by dumping water on them, they, you know, they soak the water or it the holds, water stays it holds, on yeah. there. So there's more to evaporate. So eventually, you know, essentially it cools you a little bit more. So, mm-hmm. um, usually high humidity, it doesn't necessarily make a difference. Low humidity, it will make a difference. Um, but my thing is if it gives you a psychological boost, Dump it. I guarantee you, I'm, it. I'm dumping. Yeah. I am, like the initial shock you get when someone squeezes freezing oh, yeah. cold water on you, you're like, ooh. And then you're yeah. like, oh, that actually felt pretty well, dang good. You know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the fluids, like if you're later in a race, mm-hmm. sometimes the fluids ain't cold anymore. Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, so like I've gotten, I've gone on in races and the bottle that I get later is like warm, just super warm. It's horrible too. I'm not dumping that on myself. Yeah. That feels terrible. It's and even still, drinking like that, you're like, if you can have cold beverages late, it's when you are oh, yeah. in a hot spot, like that makes a huge yeah, cold fluids is one thing difference. But a lot of times when you're psychologically, yeah, <clears throat> cold cold foods is one thing. But a lot of times late in the race, the cups, even if they're cups yeah. sitting out, cups are all warm. Been warm all day. Like I'm not dumping that stuff on me. No, like, it just it still feels hot. And make it's like sure that wet blanket. Whatever you're gonna dump on yourself. Uh, make sure it's not like the the drink the the the, the sugar filled drink not on the course yeah. exactly yeah you don't want to be pouring G two on your uh, on your body late enough or oh man the Gatorade endurance that they have at at most Iron or Ironman branded races is so sticky oh, yeah. and sugary and I mean you make that mistake you make it once <laughs> and you'll you'll finish the race looking like uh, uh, ben Stiller on Long Camp side, <laughs> side note, you know who the person who's really struggling uh, is the person who, who does grab yeah. that drink, doesn't realize that it's the uh, sugar-filled stuff and dumps it all over themselves. That's when you know they're in a spot of baba, yeah, so to speak. absolutely. Um, so one of the big, this is kind of a tip that I pulled off of um, Chris McCormick. And he, you know, he spent 
I don't know how many years trying to just trying to crack the code on winning Kona mm-hmm. and then, you know, won it several times. And so one of his big things is, you know, he at first he, he just didn't think he could handle the heat. He thought it was like he's a bigger triathlete. So, uh, you know, and people told him, like, you're just too big for the heat. And uh, one of the big things that he made sure that he did eventually was to um, like create a cool um, environment for himself. And that's why later you'd always, you always saw him wearing a visor. He always had that visor, head, you know, open head keeping so it can sun, cool. Keeping sun off his eyes Keeping sun face. off his eyes. And he always had dark shades on. And he's like, I, I got the darkest sunglasses I could find and just made everything appear, feel, appear, appear cooler. cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, and that helped him, you know, mentally more than anything. Yeah. But um, something else kind of in, in line with that, but not really. I mean, it's not making your environment cooler, but sunscreen. Don't forget to put sunscreen on, mm-hmm. which, you know, you, you can tell. Like, go spend a day at the beach and get sunburned, and you realize how much that drains you. Yep. You don't want that happening, you know, in a, in a hot a hot day, yeah. magnifying that by yeah, getting I, body jacked up with the sunburn. I actually looked at, I was, I read some research. There were, like, three studies on sunscreen, on whether or not it uh, messed with your thermoregulation or mm-hmm. anything like that, and... All of it was inconclusive. There was not like any, uh, you know, didn't necessarily affect sweat rate. It didn't affect thermal regulation. Um, in one case, they they said that it uh, improved skin temperature, like decreased skin temperature. And then in another one, it said it increased skin temperature. And then mm-hmm. another one was like, it did nothing. Yeah. So it, pretty inconclusive. So along with what you said, put the sunscreen on. Don't end up sunburned. Um you'll be you'll be sorry i've done a race sunburned and it went horribly yep. uh so get the mm-hmm. sunscreen on um last little tip and this is kind of more because of you know all the people who are out there doing ironman chattanooga and getting ready to do kona and all that stuff is they'll have if they have ice and ice sponges frozen sponges and stuff like that on the course take them use them yep. take them use them Put ice down your clothes. Take those spon- uh, frozen sponges and get them on your carotid artery and your femoral artery. Uh, you know, a sponge in your crotch is not usually real easy to run with, but, uh, you know, throw r- ice down your shorts, throw it in. I mean, do whatever you can with what they have out there that's cold to continue to cool you. Take it every, again, take it every aid station. Yep. Uh, I, I, like, I'll, I want to put this out there one more time. Like, if you can keep moving even at a slow jog, run, whatever, that's still faster than being reduced to a walk. Mm-hmm. So just, t- you know, dial it back, work on, focus on staying hydrated, and focus on staying cool. Regulate your heart rate, yep. And, and Ru- you will be use, fine. Use that, yep, for sure. Anything else? I think that covers, uh, I think that covers it, man. That was uh, short enough that you could soak it up, uh on the car ride so mm-hmm. and if you want extra like we we also dove into this top uh, our first ever we we talked yeah. about this but it was a lot more uh less on like the race strategy side we dived in a little bit deeper on um electrolyte stuff prehydrating yeah just listen to the podcast don't watch the video the vi- video was not we <laughs> were, we were primo yet <laughs> <laughs> but yeah listen to the podcast number one if you want more information on this topic yeah all right folks we appreciate you hanging out listening watching stay cool we will catch you guys next time good luck this weekend dominate adios